You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The light has come. Awesome. Well, can we give one more hand for the kids? How awesome is that? Good job, everybody. The light has come. That's the, way that, uh, that's the way that John, one of the biblical authors, and happened to be one of Jesus' closest friends, an eyewitness to his whole life. That's how he described the Christmas story, the coming of Jesus. He said, the light has come. Or you could look at verse 9 of chapter 1. This is the way that he penned it. He said, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And you know, if we just have that one verse by itself, if I hear that the light of life was coming into the world, I imagine this, this massive event, like an earthquake of sorts, or at least a low rumble, like what we heard coming from that video a moment ago, as the light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, as God himself put on flesh and came into the world. You know, I was thinking this last week about... Um, Anytime a, a member of the royal family is cited, there's just this huge buzz, right? Or did you know that there was 1.9 billion people around the world who tuned into the wedding of Meghan Markle of Prince Harry? <laughs> 1.9, that's a lot of people. Or maybe one that's a little bit closer to home. Um, Taylor Swift is playing here in December 2024. So an entire year from now, I heard a few woos. Uh, an entire year from now. And it's crazy to me the amount of excitement and hype that there are. People are already talking about what they're going to wear and what era they're going to represent. 30 million people tried to get tickets to that show in Vancouver. That's almost the entire population of Canada. And so when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came into human flesh and came on the scene, that's the kind of buzz that I would expect. That's the kind of excitement or the crowds I would expect to gather around him. But it turns out, and we're going to see this as we unpack John chapter 1 together, it turns out that nothing could be further from the way God chose to come. There's no crowds. There's no hype. Verse 10 says, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was, was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. See, on that first Christmas morning, there was no fanfare. There's no paparazzi. In fact, most people, most people actually missed him. Why? Why, why? why didn't the world recognize him? Why did so many people miss Jesus? Well, I think a big reason is because he came in the most unexpected way. 
See, people had been waiting for this Messiah for a long time to come to earth, this rescuer to arrive. By the time we get to the first century, which is when Jesus was born, they'd already been waiting for over a thousand years for him to come. But to be frank, they were expecting a little bit more of a wow factor. They're expecting royalty and extravagance, power and prestige. Maybe him riding in on a white horse. Remember, this was the guy that was gonna free them from their oppressors, Rome was gonna lead this uprising against the Roman Empire, or so they thought. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the Godzilla movies. There's actually one that's playing right now in the theaters. But in one of the older movies, there's this tagline. They say, a king's arrival is never silent. A king's arrival is never silent. And I think those waiting for Jesus in the first century probably would have, would have shared that expectation for the king's arrival, that it would be loud and exuberant. That, he, that, he'd be, that he'd be born in this beautiful, well-to-do residence in Jerusalem, in the epicenter of where it all happened. That everyone who's anyone would be invited to come to the event, that there'd be this massive kind of buzz around his birth. But nothing could be further from the way God chose to come. He wasn't born in Jerusalem. He was from Nazareth. And that doesn't mean too much to us listening 2,000 years later because it maybe doesn't have the shock factor because we don't know the geography and the social climate of the first century. But if I was gonna modernize it, being from Nazareth was kind of like being from, and I hope I don't offend any people from the prairies that are here today. But being from Nazareth was maybe like being from Elbow, Saskatchewan, okay? You're like, where is that? Exactly, <laughs> that's the point. Anyone from Al Al Elbow, Saskatchewan? Okay, we're safe in this service. On top of that, he wasn't born into wealth and power. He was born in a stable, laid down to sleep in a manger, which sounds quaint when we sing about it in Christmas carols, but we're talking about a feeding trough, what cows would drink water from. And before we move on from, from this description of the moment, let's just talk about who was invited to the event. It wasn't the rich and powerful. It wasn't even the religious elites. It wasn't the high priests and the teachers of the law. The first people to receive an invitation to Jesus' birth were the shepherds. The angels came and visited the shepherds. And in that day and age, to be a shepherd, shepherds were considered to be the scum of society, the lowest of the low. The only reason you take a job as a shepherd is if you couldn't get a job doing anything else. These were social outcasts. A lot of shepherds were actually thieves and convicts who couldn't get a job in any other field, and so they became shepherds. It was the worst job you could possibly have. But these were the people. These were the ones that were invited to the birthday of the king. Shepherds. Okay, let me ask this. Why would God do it like this? Why would he come in that way? Born in the middle of nowhere, in a barn of all places, inviting the lowest of the low, the cast outs in society, all to be raised in the, a poor Jewish family from nowhere, Nazareth. Doesn't really sound like a very strategic entrance. That's not the way to make a big splash in society. At least that's not the way that I would do it. But I wonder, could it be that the way that Jesus came communicates something really important about the character of God, about who he is, about what God is actually like? I think so. See, in the Christmas story, we get this beautiful picture of what God is like and what God actually values. Let me ask you this. What do you think of when you think about God? When you think about what God is, who he is, or what he's like, what do you think about? For a lot of people, I think what they think of when they think about God is they imagine this cosmic bully or this angry being in the clouds who demands perfection 
or is just waiting for humanity to screw up so that he can smite them or whatever. Have you ever heard a description of God that, that way? Maybe even there's people here today that, you, that if, when you think about God, that's what you would think. Like, if there is a God, he's, he's, he's those kind of ways. He's, he's angry or he's always he's condescending towards me because I'm not perfect. But what if, what if that, that's so far from what God is actually like? What if that's not what he's like at all? What if a much better picture of God is what we see in the Christmas story? A God of humility. A God who enters into the mess. A God who disadvantages himself for the advantage of others. Like, it's hard for me to fully grasp the reality that that, that God, the one who flung the galaxies into existence, who created all things, including the human body, would actually put on a body, flesh and bones, and come and live among us. It's the greatest mystery and paradox of the Christian story that the defender of the weak would become weak and defenseless that the one who actually covers over all would come and be naked and exposed. That the one who cares for all would come and be helpless and in need of care. That the one who holds it all together would need to be held tightly as a baby. That's what we see happen in the Christmas story. This radical act of humility a God, a creator who disadvantages himself for the advantage of his creation, a God who comes, but he doesn't come as a dictator. He doesn't ride in and demand compliance and demand to be served, but instead he actually comes to serve in the most profound way to model this new way to be human, this better way to live. He doesn't come robed in in human wealth and elegance, but he actually comes wrapped in rags and swaddling clothes. The humility of God I think that's why many people missed him. I think that's why, as John wrote, the world didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't expecting him to come in that way. It's not what they were picturing when they thought about the entrance of the Messiah, the entrance of the king. It's not what they thought of when they thought about God. And to be clear, it's not like Jesus' birth was going off script. The the prophets of old had been read. The scriptures were all pointing to this day with specifics around where he would be born and what that whole thing would look like. But even the religious people missed him. They missed Jesus. He came for his own, but his own didn't recognize him. And here's what I've been thinking about over this last week as we've been leading up to Christmas. How easy is it for us to miss him too? How easy is it for us to miss him? Even today, to get caught up in the nostalgia and the Christmas carols and the candle lighting and and the retelling of the Christmas story, to go to our, our Christmas dinners and find ourselves filled with turkey and stuffing and sugar cookies, gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we can miss that same Jesus in the process. We can miss the significance of what the whole thing is about. See, Christmas is not this myth of a silent night in Bethlehem where a chubby little baby was born in a manger and, and, and it was not this sanitized hallmark scene like our Christmas cards or, or, or nativity sets would suggest. It was gritty and messy. And the Christmas story took place in the middle of political unrest after an excruciating long time of waiting. And the guests who gathered around the manger were likely convicts and castouts and foreigners from Babylon. But I want you to see this. In the midst of all of that, with the chaos and the questions Something incredible was happening. Christmas marks the start of the greatest rescue mission in all of human history, where the light came into the world. 
I love that imagery that John uses of the light coming into the world where creator God saw the state of things, saw what the world, the mess that we were in. And rather than dealing with, leaving us to deal with it ourselves, he actually came, he put on flesh and he came among us to set the world right. See, that baby that was born in a manger at Christmas would actually grow up and he would, he would live a perfect life. And he would share some of the most compelling teachings, like teachings that would absolutely flip the world on its head. Teachings about enemy love and, and what it actually means to be him, caring for the poor, what true greatness looks like. But more than that, even sig- more significant than anything that he would say is what he would do. He would, he, would, he would die in our place, die a death in our place so that we could live. He would go to the cross, sacrifice himself for humanity. He'd actually do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus came to earth. The whole reason he came at Christmas was to repair our relationship with God, a relationship that had been ruptured because of our sin. So I think Christmas paints this beautiful picture of God, a God who isn't far off, a God who isn't angry or condescending. No, Christmas gives us this picture of a God who draws near, who enters into our mess, who loves us so much, so much that he would come, so much that he would take our sin and shame upon himself. So how do we respond to a God like that? How do we respond to this humble God who comes to us in a manger at Christmas? Well, according to John, the biblical author, simply put, we receive him. Look at verse 12 of chapter one. Remember, John said, most people are gonna miss him. Most people missed him. They didn't even look up from what they were doing and acknowledge the birth of Jesus, and so they missed him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. So how do we respond to a God who's given everything for us? How do we respond to, to the light of the world that has, that has come? According to John, we just receive and believe. We receive what Jesus has done for us. And then we take him at his word. We believe that he is the one that leads to life. You know, this time of year, working at the church feels more like working at a shipping and receiving place than, than anywhere else. Every day, there's, there's all sorts of packages being dropped off from FedEx or Amazon or Savon or, or wherever. And, and so... If I happen to be walking by the main doors as the delivery driver is coming by, um, he'll usually stop me and say, hey, I need somebody to receive this. And I'll say, well, I could receive it. And then he says, well, I need a name. So I say, Sam, and then he, uh, he writes that down. And then he just starts to pile me up with packages. And so I just put out my hands and he starts to pile on the packages. And, and I, to be clear, I didn't order these packages. I just put out my hands and I receive whatever he puts on them and I bring that upstairs. That's what God desires of us that we open up our hands and we receive the free gift of life that he has on offer. You know, what does God desire of us? It's not perfection. He doesn't say, get your life together, get your act together, wait until you're good enough. Actually, quite the opposite. He only, the only requirement he has to become children of God, is to, to be welcomed into his kingdom, is that we humble ourselves and recognize our need for a savior. That we receive the free gift of life that Jesus has on offer. See, the coming of Jesus is good news for everyone. The coming of Jesus, Christmas, it's good news for everyone except, except those who don't think that they need it, 
except for those who kind of like being king of their own life. If you want power, if you want control, if you want dominance, the Christmas story actually might be bad news for you. I mean, think about King Herod in the Christmas story. The birth of Jesus, it was an absolute nightmare for King Herod. When wise men came and they said they'd seen this star in the east and were coming to follow it because they wanted to find the king of kings, he almost lost his mind because it challenged his felt sense of control. You know, if the true light of life that gave light to everyone was coming into the world, what did that mean for Herod and his kingdom? Herod saw the birth of Jesus as this attack on his ego. But to those who would humble themselves and recognize their need for a savior, the coming of Jesus presents this this great hope, this light, this home in the midst of a dark and dying world. In his book, Ragamuffin Gospel, the author Brennan Manning, he says it like this. He says, the kingdom belongs to people who aren't trying to look good or impress anybody, even themselves. They're not plotting how they can call attention to themselves, worrying about how their actions will be interpreted or, or, or wondering if they will get gold stars for their behavior. A child doesn't have to struggle to get himself in a good position for having a relationship with God. He doesn't have to craft an ingenious way of explaining his position to Jesus. He doesn't have to create a pretty face for himself. He doesn't have to achieve any state of spiritual feeling or intellectual understanding. And I love this. He says, all he has to do is happily accept the cookies, the gift of the kingdom. I love that imagery. All he has to do is reach out his hands and accept the cookies. He just received them. You know, here's the way it works. God has done everything necessary to forgive us our sins and to welcome us into his kingdom but the only ones who receive it are the ones who know that they need it. And so here's my question for us today on this Christmas Eve. Will you receive Jesus? Will you reach out your hands and receive the light of the world, the hope that Jesus has on offer? Because many are gonna miss him. He came for his own, but his own didn't receive him. But to those who do receive him, You give the right to become children of God. So let me just say, don't miss Jesus this Christmas. He's inviting you to draw near. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. Do you want life? Do you want peace? Do you want joy, friends? It's Jesus that you're looking for. You know that angst that you can feel? That longing for more, that desire for like deeper meaning in life? That can only be quenched by relationship with Jesus in relationship with the God who loves you so much that he would come. So I wanna pray. And, and hey, if you're here today and you say, I do wanna receive Jesus. You know, I believe that he is the way that leads to life. I, I wanna give my life, my allegiance to Jesus. I wanna receive him. Then as we close our eyes and pray in just a moment, all across this room, I'm gonna invite you to pray along this simple prayer with me. But scripture tells us that that coming to Jesus is as simple as confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we're saved. That's what it means to receive Jesus, to confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, he's king of all. And to believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that he died for our sins and raised to new life. And, And that's how we receive this gift of Christmas. So if you're comfortable all across this room, I wanna invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray together. And if you say, you know what, Sam, I I do wanna take that step and receive Jesus this Christmas, or maybe 
Maybe you, you have received Jesus in the past, but you've walked away with him, and you say, no, this Christmas Eve, I want to come back to him. I want to receive him again this Christmas. Would you pray this prayer with me in your own heart? If you want, you can murmur these words under your breath or just even pray them in the quietness of your heart. But just say, Jesus, today I receive you. I welcome you into my life. I believe that you are the light of the world. I believe that you died in my place and rose from the dead. God, I know I need a savior. I can't do this on my own, and so I give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.